I'm sitting on the couch the other night watching the Braves, and uh, with my frustrations of walking all these people. Anybody else frustrated with that? Our bullpen can just throw it in the world, you know? I don't care if you can throw 98 miles an hour. If you can't get it across the plate, you're not helping us. But anyway, so I'm sitting there watching the Braves game, and a commercial comes on, so I, I go to the kitchen um, to get a, a, get a snack like we do, and so I grab a sleeve of Oreos, but not just any Oreos, y'all. I get the white chocolate-covered Oreos. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So, of course, I get a glass of milk to go with it, and I go plop back down on the couch and start, you know, watching the game and shoveling these in, you know. And about the fourth one, it hits me. Man, it seems like on January 1st, I made this resolution that I was going to stop doing this late-night junk stuff like this. And here I am again, you know, shrapnel all over my shirt and milk mustache. And here I am again, just settling in to the old way of doing things. And now, this is not the first time I've broken my resolution. I mean, it is almost May. I've busted it multiple times. But I just thought about it. I did make that resolution. I didn't keep it. So I'm thinking about that. And I thought, how easily do we, we kind of fall back into old habits, don't we? You ever done that? made a resolution, had, a, had a, maybe a dream, a vision about something you were going to do, and some stuff came up, life comes up, and then you just kind of find yourself going back to the old, the old way. And it's, it's just easier. It's like a good pair of jeans that you like, got holes in them, and naturally, not that you bought because you're trying to be cool, but I mean, it just happened. It's just, that's what I wear. I, I'm just comfortable with that. We find ourselves doing that sometimes. So I, I say, when was the last time you caught yourself going back to an old habit that you fully intended to break. Think about that for a minute. It's kind of an awkward feeling, isn't it? Like, man, why am I here again? Thought we were done with that. When was the last time you got to a point where you gave up on a, maybe a dream or a goal that was legitimately something good, and, but because the things didn't work out, the breaks didn't go your way or whatever, you just kind of settled back, back into your old ways, what was comfortable, familiar lifestyle. I think we probably all do that. Life can disappoint us, can us, can it? We get down. Sometimes expectations of ourselves or of other people can be just too much. They don't, they're not realistic. And so we just kind of fall back. Dreams can end. Unexpected turns happen in our in our journey of life. You know, things we weren't I was thinking about this week and some things that have happened to some families uh, in our church. I think about what an awesome Sunday we had last Sunday, Easter Sunday. I mean, we had a packed house here. It was great. And, you know, God, worship was great. The, you know, the cantata, um, you know, in the first service was great. People were talking about it. And it was just, it was a great Sunday. And then you hear on the news about what happened in Sri Lanka. And you just go, man. I mean, it was a great day. I don't want to take anything away from it, but I'm going, the reality is, if you're a Christian in Sri Lanka and Easter Sunday, something like that happened to you where somebody walks in and just starts blowing and shooting people, what in the world? That's got to be hard to try to, to grasp. So I wonder how many people went to church last week for the first time in a long time. And let me say this, and I'm not kidding, I mean this with all sincerity. If you were here last week and you haven't been in a while and you're back today, God bless you. That's awesome. Yeah, let's clap for them. And I mean that. 
because it would have been easier just to go back to your old pattern again. So if you're here today, I'm very grateful for that, very thankful for that, and I'm hoping God's doing something in your life. But I thought about that. There were a lot of people last week who went to church for the first time in a long time, and they probably went, oh, it's Easter Sunday, and Mama's going to start calling this week, and I need to go, or she's going to just you know, wear me out, or Dad, or whatever, and they want me to be there. I mean, you know, y'all get it. But I'm going to go, and you know you hadn't been in a while, and you probably got up and you go, okay, and you got yourself all ready. I mean, there's people all over the world that did this, and they went to church, and they're thinking as they're walking to the doors, like, man, I know somebody's going to say, well, where have you been? Hadn't seen you since Christmas or something crazy like that, and you're just hoping nobody does that to you, and you're thinking, I got up, God, I'm here, just let it be a good experience. And you, and you walk in, and maybe some of that you were worried about, you know, People hugged you and go, man, it's great to see you. Hadn't seen you in a while. It's so good to see you back. And they just hugged you and you go, man, that felt good. You saw some other people go, man, I didn't know you'd go here. Yeah. And you reconnected with people and it felt good. Then you sat down and you said, man, the music's pretty good. This is encouraging. The message was pretty good. I, I really felt encouraged. And maybe songs, certain songs that you remember from the past, certain people from your past, certain things in the service kind of, brought those memories that were really good from, from, from church experiences from the past. It kind of welled up in it, and a lot of people walked away going, you know, that was, that was a good day. I'm glad I went, and you know what? I, I'm going to go back next week. I need to be encouraged every week. I want to go back and feel that every week. I need that. I need to be back. Our whole family does. We're going to go back next week. We're going to make it two in a row. And maybe some of you who, who come all the time, maybe after being inspired by the maybe the cantata or the, the music or, or whatever last week, just Easter Sunday itself, the, the thought of Jesus dying for us right where we are and resurrecting from us, defeating sin, defeating death forever and saying, I want to be in relationship with you. It's not about all the religion, but I want to be in relationship. That inspired you and you go, you know what, I'm going to get... I need to do this. I need to patch up the relationship with this person. I'm going to call them this week. You were inspired to do that. Or, you know what? I'm not really doing anything in the church. I'm just, you know, I come to worship and that's great. But you know what? I could serve in this area. I'm going to call that person this week and I'm going to get involved in that, that ministry. I'm going, to, I'm going to get in that small group. I know that person. I know they'll help me do it. So I'm going to make that call this week. But then Monday came and then there's all the junk again, right? You hear the news, you see, oh man, I got the pressures at work, and yeah, it was a great weekend, but oh man, this family, I got, oh, I forgot about this. What do you mean you, what do you, mean you got that due today? <laughs> what do you mean that's tonight? And we get back into those, 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 those pressures, the routine, and the stress and pressure of, uh, pressure of, of work and personal life was, was still there. And as the week went on, those positive thoughts, those positive feelings about maybe those goals you had for this week all of a sudden they start becoming less and less on your radar. And you're like, gosh, Craig, you're not a downer, man. But it's, it's true sometimes. And So some went to bed last night going, oh, man, I was supposed to go back to church this week. But, man, the week just got so crazy and so busy. And it, So you know what? I'm just going to take that and I'm going to put it in the to-do pile. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get to that next week. I hope I have a better week because I really do want to go back. But I, I just I can't do it tomorrow. And maybe some of y'all caught yourselves going, oh, man, I was going to make that call. I was going to try to restore that relationship. I was going to call that, that person and see if I could get in that small group or I was going to help in that ministry or I was going to do this. And I, I never made the call. I really, but I was going to put that in the to-do list. Maybe this week will be better. Is that not how life happens for y'all sometimes? I mean, it just happens, doesn't it? And, and those things kind of just, just happen. And I think, you know what? The disciples may have felt a little bit like that. 
And the reason I say that is, yes, they were crushed when Jesus was crucified and they thought, what in the world? He is the Messiah. He's going to set everything right and now he's dead. He's been in the tomb for a couple of days and on the third day they found out he wasn't dead. And they went through the whole process of seeing him alive and going, don't you remember he told them, the angels told them, don't you remember he said, I will be crucified. I will really die, but on the third day I will rise again. And they saw him resurrected. And they doubted, is it a ghost? And he said, come on, touch. Feel the wounds. I'm really alive. Give me a piece of fish. He ate it in front of them. So they've seen Jesus, but he wanders into the middle of the room without using the door, if you know what I mean. And he's just standing there. But he says, hey, touch me. And they touch him. And then he, he, he vanishes again. And so I'm thinking maybe the disciples have this feeling of, where are we? What's next for us? We were the closest to Jesus. We were his disciples. We were supposed to be the fishers of men, and we let him down. We all ran. I know Peter denied him three times, but we all ran. When they came to the garden and arrested him, we all scattered. We were scared. We didn't want any part of that. So are we really still disciples anymore? What's next for us? Jesus is obviously not going to do what we thought he was going to do and restore Israel like a king or a military leader. He does have a kingdom, we know that. So what is he going to do and how are we going to be a part? How are we going to fit into his kingdom that he's talked to us so much about? He doesn't seem to be upset with us. When he looks at us eye to eye, you can see he still loves us genuinely. He's not mad at us, but will he trust us going forward with his kingdom? I mean, how could he? We all ran off. Why would he? And maybe they thought it was a good ride. It was a great ride, but back to life as it was before following Jesus because he's probably going to get somebody else because we blew it. But John's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John was one of those closest to Jesus, and his gospel account gives us the most about the encounters Jesus had with his disciples after the resurrection, and it just it fascinates me to know the, the emotions that were going on inside of them. Yes, Jesus is alive, but what's next? Where do we stand? It's... I know he loves us, but, but what's next? And I think there was a part of them that were just going to go back to their old lives of fishing again. That's what they did. That's what they knew. Matthew was a tax collector. I know I know the other guys did some other things. But one night, Peter, John tells us, he just goes, hey, you know what, guys, I'm going fishing. And so, hey, we're going with you. Now, were they going fishing because they just go, hey, we've got to go back to our old lifestyle. Jesus is, you know, he's kind of probably done with us. He's going to do what he's going to do. Or were they just going fishing because that's what they love to do. There's a lot of y'all love fishing. It's relaxing. You're out in nature. Maybe that's just, that's just what they were doing. But I want to show a clip here in just a second of the Gospel of John when they do go out fishing and they have this encounter. This is the third time John tells us that Jesus meets up with them after his resurrection. And John gives us the most information about it. So this is, there's going to be a, a movie clip I want you all to watch. And this is almost word for word from the Gospel of John. So I want you to watch it carefully and try to put yourself in the position of those disciples and try to experience what they were feeling when they encountered Jesus again. And they, uh, they're fishing again. And then they have breakfast on the beach. And you're going to see these emotions that are just raw and right there and, and how they deal with it. So let's watch this. They did not catch a thing. As the sun was rising, Jesus stood at the water's edge. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Young men, 
Haven't you caught anything? Not a thing. Throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and you will catch some. So they threw the net out. Because they had caught so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken his clothes off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples came to shore in the boat, pulling the net full of fish. They were not very far from land, about a hundred yards away. When they stepped ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of big fish, 153 in all. Even though there were so many, still the net did not tear. Come and eat. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus went over, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This, then, was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from death. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And so he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. telling you the truth. When you were young, you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go. 
In saying this, Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him, Follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind. I don't know if any of y'all were following along um, with the gospel, but it's, that's just, just what you would read in, in John's gospel. But I like it because, you know, there's that rawness of when this conversation finally starts, it's awkward, isn't it? I mean, there's like this elephant in the room and everybody that's watching this conversation with Jesus and Peter, they're going, he's talking to Peter, but he's talking to us too. Yeah, Peter denied Jesus three times. We all know that. But we all ran too. He's talking to him and he's asking him about, do you love me? But nobody feels better at that point. They're all just going, wow. What is Jesus getting at? So there's a lot of interesting things about this text. John gives us this incredibly detailed account because, y'all, he was an eyewitness. He was there. He remembers this. And he was able to write it down. And he tells us in his gospel, he, write, he wrote these things down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you, and when he says you, he means the whole world, future tense, might believe in who Jesus is. So Peter decides to go fishing. Was it a need? Was it just for fun? Was he and some of the others settling back into their old fishing jobs? But the fact that Jesus appears to them in this particular specific moment as they are fishing is so ironic. They don't recognize Jesus at first. They do exactly what he says and they follow his instructions, and they have this incredible catch of fish, as you saw. And John even tells us how many, 153. And I'm like, wow, he even remembers how many. I said, you don't catch your fish. If you're a fisherman, you, you count those fish, don't you? You want everybody to know how many you caught. Now, I don't know what the significance of 153 are, and I read a lot of stuff this week that was just like all kind of conspiracy theories. Well, 150 is, I don't know, anyway. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true, but it's pure speculation. It's interesting. But, but what struck me is there's so many flashbacks for, for the disciples in this encounter with Jesus. John is the first to realize, he's the first to realize that it's Jesus who's called them and gives them instructions. When they hear the voice, they don't think anything of it. I mean, Peter kind of looks like, who is that guy? He must know something. Maybe he's seen a school of fish that we didn't see. I don't know. We'll try it. But they don't really think about it being Jesus. But this has happened before to them. In, in Luke's gospel, there's an account of Jesus when he first calls the disciples. He, he's teaching the people and the, the disciples are there cleaning their nets. And he gets into one of their boats and he asks if he can, they can push the boat out a little bit so he can speak to the crowd. And Peter and them say, sure. And they're still cleaning their nets and they're listening to Jesus preach and teach. And then afterwards, he says, I know you guys have been fishing all night, but why don't you go out one more time? And if you'll go over in that area, you'll catch some fish. And Peter's like, he just met Jesus. He's like you're a carpenter, you work with wood. I'm a fisherman, I work with fish. I don't know if you know about this, but I've been there all night, I kind of know what I'm doing, I've been doing it my whole life. But because you say so, Jesus, I'm going to go out there. And so they did, and they brought in this enormous load of fish, and Peter is just dumbfounded. He's like, I, I'm not worthy to even be in your presence. And he says, don't be afraid, because now I will make you, and a lot of you know this, I will make you fishers of what? Men. It was a defining moment. So they're realizing 
This is just like that first time a lot of us met Jesus. He's flashing back for us. He's letting us know He's still there. He still knows what we're doing. He still all-encompassing knows everything. So you see how perfect this opportunity was. And Peter, I love it. You see how it is? He, he jumps into the water. He just dives in. And he's ready to go meet Jesus. And he gets to the shore. And then it's like, oh, there's that awkwardness. I know he still loves me, but there's still that. Did you, did you feel that? I mean, they, they do a great job in the movie. There's this awkwardness. I, I want to hug him, but I don't know where I stand with him. I'm, I'm not sure. But Jesus invites them to breakfast. And he has more in mind than just a meal. You ever had somebody call you and say, hey, you want to, let's eat lunch tomorrow. And you kind of go, yeah. But in your mind, you're going, what is that all about? And you start thinking, are they mad at me? Did I, did I say something? You start thinking back and your wheels start turning. And you're like, did I say something? Did I offend them? Did, what, 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 what did they want to eat with? So Jesus, they know, he says, yeah, sit down. And he's giving them the fish and they bring some more. And, but he's not only wanting to eat with the disciples, but I think he's really wanting to remind all of them through his conversation with Peter, you know what? The game is still on. You are still in the game. You are my guys. You are still a part of my kingdom work. It's always been the plan. Peter, I knew you were going to deny me three times. All the rest of you, I knew you were going to run off. I knew how little y'all truly understood, even though I kept telling you over and over again, but I'm not giving up on you. You're still the vehicle through which this kingdom is going to work. And by now they're seeing that Jesus' kingdom is very different than they maybe had hoped for and wanted. Their expectations were different, but they're even more powerful, even more mysterious than they originally thought and could have imagined. And so this conversation Jesus has with Peter had to have been intense. You can see that look on the face. And so there's this dramatic, intentional three questions which seemingly contrast with the three denials. You denied me three times and I'm going to restore you, but we're going to do it in those phases of three. And we can't see what Jesus is saying in the Greek, and we don't even know if Jesus actually spoke in the Greek. He may have been speaking in Aramaic, so I don't know enough about all languages in that time to know if, you know, the whole love thing. But what we understand from reading the original Greek New Testament of John's Gospel is that we know in the Greek there were like four or five different words for, for love. And we need them, don't we? Because we understand, you know, the differences. And I've said this before. You've heard it. You know, I love my wife. I love those, you know, fudge-dipped Oreos. But that's different. And it needs to be different. But it's the same word. So it was different because Jesus says, Simon, which is interesting. Because you remember when Peter made that good confession, he said, who do people say that I am? And, and Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, yes, that was revealed to you by God. And now, Peter, you are Peter. And on that foundation, on that rock, I will build my church. That I am the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And he called him Peter. And that's what Peter's name was from seemingly to that point on. But now he says, Simon, son of John. It's kind of going back to the very beginning. And he said, do you really Love me more than these. But the word there is agape, and that was the highest form in the Greek of love you could have for someone. It was the most powerful type of love that there was. Unconditional. Every action showed that that love was true. And so when he asked him that, Peter 
addresses him and says, Lord, I don't know about more than anybody else, but you know that, and he doesn't say agape, he says, I phileo you. In the Greek, it means a brotherly type love. I do love you. You're my bro. But it's not as high as agape. So yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs? I thought this was a fishing thing. I thought we were going back to being fishers of men. Why is Jesus saying, feed my lambs? And the only thing I can kind of come up with there is Jesus has spoken to them. And I shared this on Good Friday. And in John chapter 10, he talks about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me. And I will lay down my life for the sheep because they're my sheep. A hired hand that watches the sheep, he doesn't own them. He doesn't care. If the, if the wolf comes, he'll run off and say, hey, they're not my sheep. I'm not going to give up my life for them. But Jesus says, I will lay down my life for my sheep. And this wasn't just a parable. Jesus really meant it. And now they've seen that he died on the cross. He wasn't kidding. He was really going to be the good shepherd and die for all of the sheep. So for a second time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly agape me? And Peter's like, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I wish I had agape love, but Lord, you know it's phileo. And then Jesus says, take care of my sheep. Again, the reference to sheep, not to fish, not fishers of men this time, but sheep. And then the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me again? And Peter's hurt. And he goes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. I wish I had agape. I wanted to. I told you I did. Remember when you said, hey, somebody's going to deny me. And you go, Lord, if everybody else does that, I will never do that. And he goes, really, Peter? He even told him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He's like, no, that'll never happen. I wanted to have agape love for you, Jesus. I really did in my heart and my soul. Everything about me wanted to, but when it came down to it, I didn't have that. You know I love you, but it's not the type I thought I needed. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And you notice in that movie there, he puts his hand on his wrist and he's looking him right in the eye. And to me, he's restoring him. He's saying, I know you denied me three times, but three times I've just asked you this question and you have authentically, honestly answered and showed dependence and showed humility, recognizing that you need me. And you're okay. You're still in the game. You're still going to lead these guys. You're a leader. I created you to be a leader. And yes, you failed, but guess what? It does not define you. And it goes back and we think about, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And Peter and all who hear Jesus are realizing they are not to go back to their old way. Jesus has forgiven all of them. You can fish anytime you want, but now you're shepherds. You're not hired hands. You're not going to run away anymore because I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. But a shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep, that's what I need. And that's what you're going to be now. And I wonder if 
Jesus saying to them early that I've been talking about in this series. If anyone wants to save his life, he will lose it. And anyone who loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it. And guess what, y'all? All of these disciples would finally realize that. They would start to lose their old lives and experience what God had called them to. Peter and the disciples are finding their lives resurrected with Jesus to be the hands and feet of Jesus because he says, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here. He was only there 40 days and 40 nights after his resurrection, we read in the New Testament. And the same is true for us, y'all. Jesus invites us to be back. We find our lives when we are resurrected with Jesus to be and do what he's created us to do. Anything outside of that, when we're trying to save our lives all the time. And we do that a lot. I'm trying to save face with these people. I'm trying to put the right thing on Facebook or on my social media. Or I'm trying to say the right thing and live in a facade because I want everybody to like me. No, Jesus says, get rid of all that. Be honest about who you are and allow me to live in and through you. But I think the disciples are getting it. And I think he says the same thing to us as he goes, I know y'all want to love me. I know it's in your heart, but you've got to really understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. You have to die to your old way of life, die to your old habits. So I asked this morning from all of us, so what old life, what old habits, what comfort zone do we need to leave to really be who Jesus called us to be? We all have that stuff that we're hanging on to and we can fake it at church. I can get up here and act like I got it all together. But there's stuff in my life that I need to leave to really be the hands and feet of Jesus, to really feed his sheep. And are we really and truly willing to feed and take care of Jesus' sheep? Do you realize everybody is Jesus' sheep that was ever born? He created us. How do we view those sheep? Well, as long as you don't cross me, I'm good with you as a sheep. We're good. But you cut me off. You do something bad to my kids or to my wife or to my family or to this country, barrage. Then you're not really a sheep. And I said this in the first service. I think about those people who did those horrible atrocities in Sri Lanka to those churches. They have the opportunity to be Jesus' sheep just like we do, don't they? But we want to say, my first reaction is, man, just get the military in there. and That's what they deserve. Those are Jesus' sheep. He came to save, seek and save the lost. Do we realize that this encounter really is for all of us? To realize that we have failures. We've denied Jesus in a lot of the things we've done. But he looks at us and says, I know that. I know that. But when you can become honest and, and really truly seek me and want me to lift you up. The past is real. He's not denying what you did Peter, we're not just going, I don't even remember that. No, he's saying, I'm doing this three times because I want you to remember the past. It shaped you for this moment, but it does not define you. Our failures do not define us because he created us and he created us for a purpose and he has a plan for us. And his purpose was to seek and save the lost. None of us are not lost, y'all. Do you realize that? We're all lost without Jesus and that's what he's saying. You guys want to do it on your own, but you can't. You need me. You can't even fish without me. And he's reminding them, I'm the resurrected Lord, and I still know where all the fish are. I still know where your heart is, and I know y'all want to do what I've called you to do. So what have you kind of maybe gone back into, settled into, and are comfortable with that Jesus might challenge you today? 
It's different for all of us. I can't answer that for you. You can't answer it for me. But Jesus does say, hey, I know you're comfortable where you are and you're not going anywhere. You're not being my hands and feet because you're, you're okay right where you are. And he calls us to be more than that. And he puts his hand right on our arm and looks us in the eyes and says, I love you. I died for you. I, I want you to have more than this. And it starts with honesty about where we've been and where we are. And are we willing to die to our old ways and, our, and resurrect to a new way of life that he's given us? And we all need to do that. And some of us have done that. But I want to encourage you today, think about Jesus restored Peter that day. Jesus restored his disciples. But in that moment, I'm so thankful that we have the written word to hear that story, that we have people who have made movies about it to remind us that Jesus wants to restore us. Don't let the world beat you down and tell you it's over. It's not. I will use you in a powerful way in my kingdom if you will trust me and allow me to work in it. So this morning we offer that invitation. Maybe there's somebody today that needs to say, I want to take Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I want to live with him in my life. I need that. I can't do it on my own. And I know there's one that's coming today. I'm very excited about that. Right there. Y'all think he's excited? He is fired up. It's awesome, man. And we've got a couple more families that are coming, and maybe there's others. And Jesus calls all of us to be part of his hands and feet because he left. He left, y'all. He, the whole plan was that we would carry out his work. And it's a privilege and it's a responsibility, but it's an awesome thing.